Hello, family. I'm uh, I'm really glad to be in the house of the Lord today. I couldn't think of a better place to be than here in his throne, throne room, in the courts, in the sanctuary, and with his people. And uh, so I'm grateful to what the Lord has been doing here today. And uh, I look forward to sharing the word with you. The the title of the message is called Tongues of Fire, referencing obviously the Holy Spirit and, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit as it is Pentecost Sunday. And I do trust that the Lord will minister to you through the word today and that the Holy Spirit will, will do a work in your heart and in your lives around the word today. Because I believe God wants to do something. He wants to change some mindsets we have around the Holy Spirit. And um, so I look forward to sharing with you. Let's pray. Father, I bring this word before you and I say, Lord, you, you brought this word. I pray, Lord, that you would use me as a vessel to be able to share your word. I pray, Lord, that your words would come through strong and that by your Holy Spirit it would carry the anointing And that, Lord, you would sow the seed and that it would flower and bear much fruit. And so, Holy Spirit, as this word is is about you, I pray that you would impart to your people as we share around the word. And we thank you for your goodness towards us. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. So, it's Pentecost Sunday. I was thinking about it and I was wondering, can you imagine if you were there in that upper room? Can you, can you just try and imagine, because I, I must say, I struggle. And, and I'm going, imagine you get this instruction from Jesus, you're in the upper room and you've been waiting and you just wait and you wait and you wait. And uh, I, am, uh, I am sure there were some impatient people up there, but they did just Wait. And the scripture says, suddenly. Can you imagine sitting in that upper room and then a suddenly happens? It must have been a remarkable occasion for which we get to share and walk in the fulfilled promise of that occasion as we will see as we go through the message today. And so... In this house, we regard the Holy Spirit in the most highest esteem. And I think you will agree with me that in many respects, our hearts are after the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We thirst for the Holy Spirit. And any opportunity we get to almost like get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do what he needs to do, as a church, we really strive to live that kind of way. This is a congregation that honors and gives glory to the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you, it is right and it is fitting and we will continue to do so. As I was thinking about the topic, I was sitting in my study and I immediately went over to my bookshelf and pulled out a book by Dr. Miles Monroe. I'm not sure it's one of his most popular books, um, just from the titles that you are familiar with. But the title of this particular book is called The Most Important Person on Earth. 
And so Dr. Miles wrote a whole book about the most important person on earth, that being the Holy Spirit. And so I'd like to encourage you, if, you, if you're not familiar with the book, it's a special piece of work, and I would encourage you to pick up a copy for yourself. It is not light reading, uh, I will have you know, but there's an anointing in those words that uh, is very special and beautiful. And so to quote from Dr. Miles, human beings were designed to function like their creator king, like God. The presence of the spirit of the king, referencing the Holy Spirit, within human beings guaranteed that they would have his character and nature. It also assured that they would be able to rule on earth as he would rule in the heavenly kingdom. Listen to these words. Having his very nature of love, mercy, kindness, and forgiveness. So the Holy Spirit has been sent to us so that we could, so that it can be guaranteed that we could have God's character and his nature. And that we would rule here on earth as per his character and nature, which is in love, mercy, kindness, and forgiveness. Now, if you think about the world we are living in today, just take a moment to think about the world we are living in with its problems, social, economic, political, with all the ills and the evil in the world today, I am sure you would agree with me that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is now more than ever essential. We cannot do without it. I am sure you would agree with me that the world could do with a little bit of God's nature of love, mercy, kindness, and forgiveness. Can you imagine the world we would live in today if the, these were the operating principles? To quote Dr. Miles further, the most important promise the Creator King God ever made to human beings was the promise that the governor, the Holy Spirit, would return to live within them, that's a critical word, within them, because he, the Holy Spirit, is the key of life. Amen? So the last quote by way of an introduction from Dr. Miles, and this is the important one, this is part of what I believe God wants us to catch in terms of this Pentecost Sunday. The principal purpose of the redemptive program of the Creator King in his dealings with humanity throughout human history was the restoration of the governor, the Holy Spirit, to the colony of earth. Everything in history, up until the time that Jesus died and was raised again, and then Days later where the Holy Spirit was 
poured out over mankind was for that purpose. It was to restore the Holy Spirit to be able to live within us as God's people who have accepted Jesus. You see, it's important to understand that it is, and we'll look at it from the Old Testament perspective, it's not good enough to think of the Holy Spirit as just residing with us or around. No, the purpose of everything that has happened up until that point in time was to restore the Holy Spirit to his rightful place, and that is to be able to live within us. You see, once we have this revelation that the dynamic of our relationship with the Holy Spirit is not just head knowledge or page knowledge in terms of the word, it will become more relational, personal, and close to each and every one of us. And that is what God wants. It is when we have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit that he is elevated to the right and proper place in each of our lives. When we understand that the, the person of the Holy Spirit is the most important person in our lives, and in the world today, it is then that our relationship with the triune God goes to an altogether different level and to a different rightful place. And so, God is doing a restorative work in many lives, today and around the world, where the person of the Holy Spirit has become somewhat familiar. We should never become familiar with the Holy Spirit, ever. A thought supported by the, the Bible is God is shaking these familiar concepts and elevating the Holy Spirit to his rightful place. And that is what God wants to do in each and every one of our lives. The Holy Spirit is the most important person on earth. You see, when we realize that the Holy Spirit lives within us, and then we carry the very presence of God with us. John's been teaching us about the presence of God. Well, by the Holy Spirit living within you, you are carrying the presence of God wherever you go. But when we come to that revelation and understanding, it will change the way we are led. It will change what we think. It, where we go and, and what we expose ourselves to. The minute we realize that the Holy Spirit is is living within us and that it's, it's live and real to you, you will, you will not do or go or think or be led to some of the things that maybe you have been in the past. And God is restoring the importance that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that we carry his presence everywhere we go. In 1 Corinthians 6 from verse 19 through to 20 in the Amplified Classic, it says, do you not know that your body is the temple, the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. 
purchased with a preciousness and paid for, made his own. So then honor God and bring glory to him in your body. And so when I asked the Lord, how should we journey through today's message, he gave me three points which I'd like to share with you. I'll tell you up front what they are. Point number one is the promise. Point number two is the purpose. And the third is the work of the Holy Spirit at this time. And so we start with point number one, the promise. In Joel 2, reading from verse 28 in the New King James Version, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my, flesh, my spirit on all flesh. Emphasis there on all, all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. Blood and fire, bless you. <laughs> Blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. So maybe you ask, Byron, why do you read the whole scripture? Because the portion about the Holy Spirit is in front. And the reason I've read the whole portion of the text is because it is the promise of the Holy Spirit being poured out, being fulfilled, and it is a sign of the end times. And so if you think about the, the world we're living in today, there's a lot of familiarity in this text. But the promise is that in those last days, you will have the Holy Spirit. You shall have the Holy Spirit. The next promise is from Jesus himself, and we see this in John 14, reading from verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, speaking of the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. I hope you are just receiving all these promises that are flowing out of this portion of Scripture. It's so beautiful. He who has commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, 
but the fathers who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. We also need to understand that in the very beginning, the Holy Spirit was here. We go all the way back to Genesis 1, reading from verse 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so we have this promise, and we can see that it was God's intention right from the beginning of of mankind, from the creation, that he would dwell with us and that his spirit would be with us. But then came the fall of man through Adam, and the presence of the Holy Spirit was removed. We were separated from God because of sin, and our sin separates us from God. We see in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit came upon people, but never resided within them. Dr. Miles again quotes, he says, his spirit would come upon any person who chose to submit to the influence of the heavenly government. But there was this matter of selective. You know, the, anybody who chose to, to be under the influence of the kingdom, or in other words, for God, the Holy Spirit would, would be there, but wouldn't reside with, within them. And certainly, if there was any sin, in other words, there was a program made in the Old Testament where sacrifices were made for the atonement of sin, well, at those points in time, the Holy Spirit would come. But the minute sin would return, the Holy Spirit would be removed again. And so there was no program to deal with sin in the Old Testament that was a permanent solution to the sin problem. It was only until God himself decided that I am going to deal with the sin problem in the person of Jesus once for all, the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, which we are gonna celebrate a little bit later in in terms of communion. So until God determined in himself to deal with the sin problem once and for all through Jesus and the work of the cross, there was this matter of a selective presence of the Holy Spirit, if I could put it that way. So everything throughout history till the coming of Jesus and the work of the cross was to make a way for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And as I was meditating on this, I realized how fortunate are we that we are actually living in the times of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Think about it for a moment. We are fortunate. Can you imagine if we were living in the Old Testament? Can you imagine even as glorious as what it would be if we were living in the time of Jesus? You see, Jesus himself said, it is better for you that I go. Because Jesus had a purpose 
that purpose was set. There was a beginning, there was an end. And as God in the flesh, he was restricted to time and matter as you and I are living on earth. So Jesus said in John 16 verse seven, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. So we can see that Jesus came that we may be saved. It is also true that Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice that a way could be made for the Holy Spirit to come dwell in us. And that is my prayer for some of us today, that that would be a real revelation where the Holy Spirit is maybe something on text or, or something that you've had lots of teaching about, but that you would realize that what Jesus did so that we could be saved paved the way for the coming of the Holy Spirit so that he could come live within us, a fundamental shift in how things were done up until that time. And so the promise is fulfilled in Acts 2 from verse 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So that is the promise. Point number two is the purpose. So we know from the teachings of Jesus that the, the main ministry of the Holy Spirit entails that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. That's something I hope we all learn and, and realize today, that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. And the second is that the Holy Spirit is for all who accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so this is not for Jew or Gentile, or that selection, or this selection, no. The Holy Spirit came for all, and that is one of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit, is that we could all have the Holy Spirit within us. You see, God in the flesh, Jesus, would have been bound to the rules of this earth. And as I mentioned earlier, Jesus came for a specific purpose, and a time, and a mission, and he fulfilled that mission. Now he's at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. But had Jesus not come, the Holy Spirit would not be here, not in its current form. And this is what God had predestined and ordained, the way it is now. And so only Jesus could do what he did by coming in the flesh. And only the Holy Spirit can do what he does because of the work of Jesus. But if it was done any other way, it wouldn't have happened. And chances are that if it happened differently, you and I wouldn't be here today. But God works in such beautiful detail 
that he knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything that needs to happen, the reason it needs to happen, why it needs to happen, and that main reason is his love for you and I. Isn't it special how God works? And so I'd like to summarize the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We see in Scripture that um, the, the Bible tells us exactly what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is and why He is with us. And I want to encourage you as a church, we did a whole series of teachings around the Holy Spirit. And if you weren't participating in that or if you're new to the church, it's free to download on the, on the website and I would encourage you to do so and, and make a personal study of the Holy Spirit for yourself. Uh, those teachings will be a wonderful resource for you to use. But we see in Scripture that He is our helper. We're going to talk a little bit about that as we close. He convicts the world of sin. He dwells in believers and fills them. He is the believer's source of revelation, wisdom, and power. He guides believers in all truth. He gives spiritual gifts to believers. He is a seal in a believer's life. Just to stop there for a moment, it's based in Ephesians 1 verse 13. Basically what it means, the, the words that come to me is assurance of salvation. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit puts a seal on you and it's like you know you carry the seal of God on your life. And so it is an assurance of salvation that when you've become born again, the Holy Spirit puts a seal over you and confirms within yourself that you are his and that you are born of God. He helps us and intercedes for us. He makes believers new and gives eternal life. He sanctifies and enables believers to bear fruit. That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure as you listen to, to what the Holy Spirit does, you realize that there is everything for you and I as believers to be able to be in this world, but not of it. And so our walking closely with the Holy Spirit is so important. And He is here for us. He is here for us. The work of the Holy Spirit at this time, point number three. So I asked the Lord, I said, God, all right, so there's the ministry of the Holy Spirit and he does all these things, but share with me what the Holy Spirit is focused on at the moment. I'm a bit wired that way. You can ask my wife, when I first met her, I said, listen, what are your five-year goals? It didn't go down well, by the way. Um, anyway, so I said to the Lord, at the moment, what, what is the Holy Spirit focused on? There are, there are so many facets to the Holy Spirit, but if you could just highlight two of them for me in terms of some kind of emphasis that the Holy Spirit is doing in the world today, I would be grateful. And the Lord shared with me two things, and I share them with you. The Lord showed me that the Holy Spirit is busy with a work of conviction and of comfort. Those are the two words which the Lord gave me. With regards to conviction, in John 16 verse 8, Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit, 
when the Spirit comes, He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so He will convict the world, that is, He will prove to the world that they are wrong. And, and the biggest error or sin that the world is in error with, Jesus actually shared with us, and he said that is the matter of unbelief. So the world is a sinful place, and one of the Holy Spirit's tasks is to convict the world of sin. One of the most basic sins which the world is guilty of, as I mentioned to you a few moments ago, is that of unbelief. And the convicting power of the Holy Spirit is at work in the world because they do not believe in Christ. It is the sin of unbelief, the refusal to trust in Jesus, that is a primary work of the Holy Spirit. So I said, Lord, when it comes to conviction and highlighting it right now, what, what, what are you on about, Lord? And so the Lord showed me that there is a sifting taking place. Wrong things are being exposed and are being brought into, into the light, whether it's in the body of Christ or, or in the world, there is a, sin is being laid bare. And, and this is the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. But the important thing to realize, it's not with a view to push away, it's with a view to drawing near. And we heard it in Corin's word a few moments ago, because it draws you, when there's conviction of sin, to a place of repentance, not to a pushing away. And so it was special to me as she was praying that she immediately went into a time of repentance. And you see, when the Holy Spirit con convicts, it brings us to a place of repentance and it draws us near towards a place of righteousness and a place of holiness. After all, he is the Holy Spirit. It's also very interesting for me that when you study the moves of God through history, that before every great move of God, there is a great period of repentance. And so, what we need to understand that if we want to see revival, we need to walk righteously with God. And it's interesting for me that when there is a period of great re repentance, when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes, things get laid bare, and, and we come to a place of repentance, the Holy Spirit gets poured out, and we have intense times of revival. And so repentance is born out of the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, but it is always with a view to drawing us near. With regard to the second word, comfort, the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. In John 14, verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Wherever I have said to you, whatever I have said to you, the Holy Spirit will share with you as well. The word comforter there is the Greek word paraclete. Now that Greek word paraclete means 
one who is called alongside. And so the Holy Spirit has been called to journey with us, to go through this life here on earth till the day we are in his presence one day. The Holy Spirit is the one who's called to journey with us. It makes me think of that scripture that there's one more faithful than a brother, speaking of Jesus. And isn't that the same year in terms of the Holy Spirit? Who is closer to you than the Holy Spirit? And so the Holy Spirit is our paraclete. He's the one who comes alongside us. He is our comforter. He also reflects on the matter of comfort, God's character, and rightfully so, because God comforts his children. He is the God of all comfort, and we can know his peace even in the midst of great trials. He comforts us in all our troubles. God comforts us in many ways through the wonderful promises of his word, through fellow believers, and of course, through the Holy Spirit's indwelling. The Spirit is our comforter, and he is so much more. He's our counselor, encourager, our helper. He's always present to bring comfort to those who are his. And so I close with this. The encouragement to us today is to always let the Holy Spirit be the most important person in our lives. We must let the Holy Spirit work in our lives as God predestined him to do. As the Bible has taught us, we should let the Holy Spirit work in our lives. The Holy Spirit's ability to live within us compared with just selectively living with us came at great cost and we need to cherish the Holy Spirit and the fact that we have the ability to have the Holy Spirit living within us. Because of the Holy Spirit, we have his presence with us always. We never need to be alone because he is with us, he is within us. Let us pray and then we're gonna take communion. Father, I thank you for your, your word and the, the time we've had to share in and around the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you've done wonderful things here in the hearts of, of the people. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, your presence has been tangible and personal as, as you shared with me earlier. And I just wanna thank you for your goodness. Now, Lord, as we, we go into a time of uh, communion, Lord, I would like to thank you for the work of the cross. We want to turn our attention to the reality that the Holy Spirit would not be with us today had it not been for Jesus and the work which was done on the cross. And so Jesus said as they were together, he, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. So Lord, we take a moment. We take a moment to acknowledge the body of the Lord, which was broken for us. So that we can be saved. We think about the immense suffering Jesus 
undertook because of his great love for each and every one of us. We think of you, Father God, who even in Scripture said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. And Jesus suffered, his body broken and bruised so that we can be saved. And we acknowledge that right now. The body of the Lord broken for you, you may partake. same time, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And the scripture says that he spoke that this is the blood of the lamb which is shed for you. Lord, we take a moment to acknowledge the blood of the lamb. The most precious commodity. Not one drop was wasted. We thank you for the power in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that it washes us white as snow. And so, Lord, if there's been anything that may have displeased you, we just take a moment to say, Lord, please forgive us. Please forgive us. And we thank you for the blood which was shed by our precious Lord Jesus for each and every one of us. The blood of the Lord shed for you. You may partake. Lord, I want to thank you for this glorious time we've had in your presence. Lord, I want to thank you for your people who have come into this house to worship the Most High God. I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit and that we've been able to celebrate the work of the cross. And now, Lord, I pray for your people and I thank you that they will go in you, that they will go in your presence. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to minister to them as they go into this week, as they go on in this journey of life. I thank you that you are their helper that you will guide each and every one of us. Lord, I pray the peace over your people right now. I pray for the peace of the Lord over your hearts. I pray for the protection of your minds. I pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us. Till we meet again, we pray, Lord, and we say thank you for your goodness towards us. In Jesus' name.